One of the things that Onnit is known the best for is actually improving athletic performance. We work with the top athletes. I use all of these supplements myself. If you've ever actually looked at Kyle Kingsbury, you can recognize that the Onnit products are incredible for improving your athletic performance. And we have a full suite. Now, of course, there's the Shroom Tech Sport, which was studied at Florida State University, has been shown to help high-intensity interval training, which is an incredibly productive method to train. But that's just one of the products. There's so many other things. There's total strength and performance, which was also clinically studied. And then we also have staple ingredients like glutamine, like creatine, like all of the proteins that we offer for recovery and everything in this entire suite that if you actually dive in and take a look, you're gonna be supported just like the top athletes in the world, but most of us aren't top athletes in the world. We just want to have the best workout we can. So whether that's we want the nitric oxide benefits of taking total NO, or whether we want the energy and cellular energy that's associated with Shroom Tech Sport, whatever you're really looking for, if you look at the Onnit suite of products, you're gonna find the tools necessary to reach your fitness goals. And we're coming out of winter here. If you're listening to this podcast fresh, it's the time to start training everybody. It's the time to start kicking ass. And Onnit can really be something that is going to support you on your journey, whatever that is. So please go to onnit.com slash Aubrey, save 10% on everything, and check out what we have. Proteins, creatine, glutamine, total NO, total strength and performance, shroom tech sport. We got the protein bars and bites that are going to be great to help your macros throughout the day. So check that all out. Once again, onnit.com slash Aubrey and save 10% on everything. There is absolutely nothing I like better than when I get to talk to someone who is an unequivocal expert in his field, and Matthew Hussey is that. He is one of the absolute leading experts in dating and relationships, and particularly that aspect of a relationship where you're just trying to form that connection. I've never spoken to anybody better, and so during this podcast, I got to learn stuff, and that's really exciting for me. And on the other side, I spent a week with Matthew in Poland, going through all the ice, going through all the Wim Hof challenges, and we got to form a really deep friendship. So the first half of this podcast, we talk a bit about that experience. And then from there, I'm just learning from him. And I promise you that if you make it through to that aspect of this podcast, you're going to learn some incredible things about dating, about making the first move, about how to reframe the person that you are so that you can put yourself in the most advantageous and honest position to yield the relationship that you're looking for. He's the author of the book, Get the Guy, but he knows how to do everything when it concerns dating. So I'm really excited to release his podcast with Matthew Hussey. Matthew, what's going on, brother? It's good to be here, man. Man, it's so good to be here. Like... We just finished a breathing exercise, just like we did in Poland when we were there with Wim Hof, and we just went fucking deep, man. Oh uh, yeah, for a moment I was like, "How am I going to do a podcast after this?" <laughs> and that's why I wanted to like rush right into it, so we have like no arm, everything's yeah, just stripped get away. The most spacey version of me. Yeah, it's just, it's really interesting what the breathing will do, and it's something that I've been practicing for a while. But we all got to experience it with Wim Hof in Poland, and not only does it accomplish some of the physiological things, which is the alkalization and the hyperoxygenation and the things that allow Wim to withstand the cold and allowed us to withstand the cold and climb that freezing ass mountain and, you know, don't dive under the water. 
but there's like emotional undercurrents that get released yeah yeah i i think i'm a i'm kind of i guess an interesting case study for the breathing because i've not done any of it before Mm -hmm. so like you i come to you and i watch you in that room when we were in poland and you were like this i mean this master of like (laughs) i I literally am like, well, just follow Aubrey. <laughs> like he knows what he's doing. Because I remember the first, the first time I saw the breathing that Wim was doing was on that Yes Theory documentary, mm-hmm. and it freaked me out. Uh-huh. Like I, it made me really weirdly when I was researching, should I even go and do this trip? Yeah. The I thought it was all going to be the crazy cold stuff that was going to scare me off, and it did. But it was also when I saw the breathing, I was like, oh, that looks scary. Like, that's like an Because intense... you saw people having emotional reactions? And I saw someone's like kind of, you know, like when okay, you saw so someone's body. Yeah, when yeah. they start to contract. Yeah. And I was like, I, I was like, wow, what's happening to his body? And like, that's, that looks quite. And then what was interesting was when we did it and all of those sensations were very new to me. I was amazed at how peaceful, what you know, what looks from the outside, like, oh my God, that's a lot. That looks from when you're actually doing it is a weirdly peaceful. Peaceful and it feels good. Yes, exactly. It feels really good. It feels like just every cell is kind of alive in a certain way. And the fact that you can, you, you have that sensation and that high and that like, without having taken anything, you would like, you just you and oxygen. <laughs> Imagine, look, that's like it's like I, for those of you who've done nitrous. I'm not endorsing doing nitrous, right. but like that's probably the closest thing that I've seen of the, and that's a drug, right. right? Like that's doing a drug at a high dose to give you a feeling that's like what breath can bring for you. Uh, if I'd have heard you say that before having done it yeah you'd been like you're full of shit <laughs> I, well, I just would have been like that sounds like an exaggeration <laughs> I, that when i did it it was like you know and it's funny because doing it with you here i since we came back from poland mm-hmm. i've been doing the breathing on my own and it's you know i've been like working on the amount of times i can do the holds for and stuff but doing it with you again that took me back to Poland that made me feel that feeling again and the feeling was that I remember when I felt in Poland I like left my body I was like I I was not in that room Mm -hmm. for the for like when when Wim was like okay come like open your eyes and I'm like I just remember thinking I I know they're all doing something right now (laughs) I know like they're all I think the thing's done but I don't care like I'm not even if, if everyone got up and left at that point, I would have just been like, well, I'll come back to the room in a minute. Yeah. That's how crazy that experience was. All right, so let's, let's back up for a few people who may not know exactly the method that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so what Wim teaches is deep breathing. And he says, it doesn't matter which, which hole you get it in. And he has a good chuckle about that when he says, <laughs> it doesn't matter which hole you get it in. So mouth, nose, doesn't matter. But you go belly, chest, and then head. Yeah. And that's where you're really just breathing in. All the way through, starting at the bottom and going through the top, and then just letting the air fall out of your 
body. And one of the techniques that I use that's helpful is putting a bolster on your mid back. So you have kind of an arched back. So yeah. you really, your lungs fill because if you actually contract yourself, the lungs get smaller, but if you open up, the lungs get bigger and you just keep going until you start to feel the tingles. And then you do what's called a breath hold. And the breath hold is where you breathe all the way in and then breathe out, but not so much that you have zero air. Just breathe out what Wim calls one atmosphere. So in just to hear, not all the way out everything so breathe out to one atmosphere and you hold with like a limited amount of air and that i think is the surprising thing that when i talk to people about it they're always surprised wait so you hold your breath on the exhale yeah like we always associate holding our breath with like you're about to go underwater and then we go under the it's counterintuitive that you're holding it on the exhale Mm -hmm. but that's what's wild about it is when you realize how long you've been doing that like you go past a minute and you go past a minute and a half and then like i think i i think i on the in poland i hit three and since coming home i've like i think the most i've done is like 255 Mm -hmm. so close right you could have pushed for three come on (laughs) bro if i'd have known if i'd have seen (laughs) the timer at that point (laughs) I would have been like, uh, if someone had a countdown, (laughs) if you heard fucking Steve Weatherford out there coming, come on, five seconds, (laughs) you would have made it. You would have made it for sure. It's nothing, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Five seconds, bro. You're not going to (laughs) die. But that, that is astonishing to me to even with air, like taking a deep breath to hold my breath for three minutes is that would have been insanity Mm. to me. So I just, that's another one of those things that if I'd have heard people talking about it, I'd have been like, you guys are f- like, you, you're making this up. Like, there's no way you're getting to those counts. Mm. I know that people who do like there's deep sea divers that sure, do it divers. as a sport, yep. and free divers, but the, you know, the average person just holding their breath like that, that's, that's kind of alien. And like everybody listening, you're all capable and it doesn't matter how much time, but you're capable of more than you think. Yeah. And that's, I think one of the things that Wim taught us all is like how much more capable we are than we think capable of withstanding more cold, capable of breathing more, capable of holding our breath farther. And that's like, that's a beautiful thing to learn because we have, we live in this kind of contracted state that's disempowered and disempowered from our masculinity, our femininity, our truth of who we are beyond gender, all of the different aspects of ourself, we feel kind of disempowered. But then you do something like that and you're like, whoa, I'm, I'm like more powerful than I thought. That, that is, I, you know, we, you and I operate in either directly or peripherally in an industry that I guess is loosely called self-development, which... Mm-hmm. You know, I I struggle with sometimes because there's a lot in that world that I don't relate to. Sure. Um, and also, it just feels like a label that I don't know. Yeah, it comes with so many connotations. Yep. But as I'm, so the being in that world, the idea of you can do more than you think becomes, it's like almost trite, isn't it? It's mm. like a. Uh, the ultimate cliche Mm. like if you started a self-help seminar tomorrow with like you're capable of more than you think you'd think that is the least imaginative (laughs) thing that anyone could ever say in this realm where everyone is saying that and yet i what's so crazy to me is 
I did this experience. And I, and I think there were a whole bunch of reasons why I did it. And I normally, if you'd have caught me on any other year, Aubrey, I would not have said yes to that. Mm -hmm. Something about my life and where it was and what I was feeling internally. And I, I was seeking something I was looking for. And that came along and it was like, even though consciously I was like, I'm not doing this. I even nearly backed out. I said, I spoke to Lewis. Lewis invited me. And then the day later, I was like, hey, man, I need a minute just to think about this. And I said, yes, but I need a minute. On a deeper level, I was, I was looking for something that was going to shake me up. Yeah, that old, that old aphorism, when the student is ready, the teaching appears. But right. what you're saying is absolutely right. Because someone can tell you that. It means dog shit. It means nothing. But then you do it. Right. And then you have what the Greeks call gnosis. It's a knowing. It's like someone could describe an avocado to someone who never had an avocado and they'd be like, sounds fucking interesting. But you don't know an avocado. You right. have no fucking idea. Talk about avocados all the one. It's not like having guacamole. What's worse, what's even worse is that if you haven't tried an avocado, you don't pretend you know what an avocado tastes like. <laughs> right? You just go, I, I yeah. take your word for it. I say, I'll try it sometime. Yeah. But with the kind of self-help aphorisms that we trot out constantly, sure. that become like, you know, bumper sticker instagram quotes that people just endlessly ad nauseum throw out into the world they lose their meaning and now what you have is at mass at scale we are all retweeting and reposting things where we're saying yeah i know what the avocado tastes like mm -hmm. you could do more than you think obviously i know that <laughs> right but then then for me and and, and i i don't say this with any sense of righteousness because i I'm that person who sure. I've done a lot in my life. I've achieved a lot. But, you know, I, I, and I said this openly in Poland. I come to this thing where I'm now out of my element. I am not in control of this situation. I'm not in control of whim. I don't know what our agenda is. I have no idea what we're going to get made to do today. I have no control over the intensity of this. I can't control the other guys and what they decide to do as a group. I can't, I'm so out of my element and in a situation where I don't associate with being particularly good. I don't associate with being good in the cold. It's not something I'm like, well, I'm kind of naturally good at this. So at mm. least I'll be able to hold my own. As far as I was concerned, I could show up to that and be the absolute weak link of the group. Mm -hmm. and, and that was terrifying. I had to like bite the bullet on that and be like, well, this is going to be humbling if that's true. But getting there and doing the breathing and reaching a, an amount of time that I never imagined I could get to. Doing the, you know, the amount of time we stayed in the ice, climbing the mountain, and then realizing that your body's still okay that everything still works, that you didn't do permanent damage, that that then, it, that isn't just a, a metaphor. It's no. like a physical belief that's now ingrained. And the thing is, you'll forget. And then like, then that's going to happen over and over again. Cause even, all right, so we just did this exercise. We did two rounds, two holds first round, you know, I've done this a lot. So I got a nice three minute, 30 second score. Yeah. Second round, I've lasted 30 seconds. You're supposed to increase after each round because you're more oxygen. I lasted 30 seconds. So I started crying. Like, I forgot. And the tears come from a forgetting. It came from a forgetting of how much I enjoyed actually doing this with someone who's a brother. Mm. That was part of it. And it for came from some kind of release that I had, I didn't even know I had. So it's like, I thought I remembered the avocado. But then uh, there I was tasting it again. And I was like, oh, shit. 
and we'll have to keep eating the avocado. Wait, so you're so when so because you when you did thirty seconds instead of three three and a half minutes, which is crazy. Again, like your times are amazing to me. Firstly, on a physiological or psychological level, what's the reason why you would get thirty seconds? Because I was crying. I was crying, and I gasped for air from like the from the sobs it's hard to sob and hold your breath so the crying was because you were connected to like how wonderful this is that we get to do this together yeah and i think it was some remnants from being in the darkness some remnants from being alone from remnants of missing all you guys because like we went straight from this super connected community to me silence darkness myself and then like here we are like one you know getting back together just one of the you know fucking 12 awesome people that were there and we're doing the same thing and i'm back there and it's like god this is so good and then i think about like i think about that and then it's the remembering of how good it is and then (laughs) then the tears come like that's what that's why the tears came when i took my blindfold off too it's it's like recognizing like fuck this is so it's so amazing so that this is really interesting because that is that's actually a question i had for you coming out of that experience is you coming out of the dark you know you had that you know extremely emotional moment of seeing nature again and Mm. opening your eyes and letting the light in and and that obviously is extremely powerful few people get that kind of a realization unless tragedy strikes or they avert tragedy, or, you know, it's the end of their life. I'm so interested nowadays in how do you, how do you take that and bottle it into a daily connection that you can feel? Because I know coming out of Poland, do you know what's really funny? I, Mm. I, I came out of Poland and I was having a conversation. I haven't told anyone this apart from the person I was with, but I was, I was, I came out of Poland and I was having a conversation with someone. And, um, and I was talking about that. They were saying, what, what did you, what was amazing about it? And I, I had already told this person all the obvious stuff. I said, we was, we would sit around on the sofa (laughs) and, and I wasn't on my phone. I I just was like looking Mm -hmm. around the room. It could have been Mike Posner singing, Mm -hmm. or it could have been Jesse telling a story. Or it could just be like five different conversations going on. Mm-hmm. But I would just sit on the sofa and just be and just pay attention and mm-hmm. just have moments. You, you and me would sit on the sofa and we'd just chat. Mm-hmm. And as I was talking about this, I, I started tearing up in front of this person. I, start, I got choked. Yeah. And I, it was completely unexpected because I hadn't talked about that part of it. It was just, I talked about it like, oh, well, there was this, this one thing that I loved. Yeah. And then I got really emotional. And I th- I've thought about that moment a lot since. I thought, why, why did that make me so emotional? And I, I realized a big part of it is that I, I am spend so much of my life just like going here and going there and rushing and having a phone call and it all poses as connectedness Mm. and it poses as like fun and as but Mm -hmm. how that moment on the sofa i realized how often do i just sit on the sofa with people i love and just connect in that way 
And I'm so, in a way, my fear coming out of it is, I don't want to forget. I know. I don't want to go back. I know. And, the, and that's, that was actually one of the hardest things I've had to deal with is, is being aware of the forgetting, you know? And mm, I think that's mm, like mm. the awareness of the forgetting then, and then the, then the guilt that comes from the forgetting and this, then that kind of self-critic that comes in and be like, you fucking idiot. You right. spent six days in the darkness. You already forgot. Yeah. You're looking out on the sky and you don't even appreciate it anymore. Like you, you're with this person and you're just blocked up just like you were before. And you're like, see, nothing's going to help you. And like, you'll hear that voice. But the one difference is, is that I have such an awareness of my mind now that I can go like, oh yeah, there's the voice. And, and the, and there's kind of this, this self forgiveness of like, it's okay. I know you're forgetting now, but you'll remember. So do you then, so I, and I think that's vital, that kind of kindness towards yourself that yeah. it's, oh, it's human that you're forgetting. Like life has, life is doing its forget. thing that yeah. it does where you're getting fed like this phone call, this person on your team didn't do a job right that you like were really specific about sure. and now it didn't go. And now you're like, suddenly you're back to that frequency. So the kindness I think is crucial. Uh, and I'm, I'm like, I realized on that trip and I said this to you guys, I was like, Man, there's so, still, even after everything that I've worked on and every, all the, the things that I've like taught people in my retreats, still I realize what that voice does to me constantly. Mm. So I believe that. Do you have any mechanisms that you use to, to bring yourself back? Or do you have like a daily ritual that it's almost like, you know, before an exam, you, you keep posting the thing on the wall to make sure even when I go downstairs, I see it on the wall and I'm reminded, do you have anything that keeps bringing you back so that you don't unconsciously float away from that realization? I wish I had something that was more reliable. You know, like I do the things, meditation can help. This, this thing helped a lot because it actually, any reminder, any reminder where I feel that kind of openness and, and love and like, this brought me back to that those great moments in Poland, yeah. which is something that while I remembered it, I also forgot it. You know what I mean? And yeah. so like any reminder that you can get, however you can open yourself up to that, will work. I think that's what the, you know, because obviously the guys, we've got this group going, you know, yeah. and we text each other in that group and there's always something going on in there on a daily basis. I think that in a way that's what that is. Whatever it is we're saying, which in some ways isn't, isn't as important as the fact that we're all still, it's a way of us keeping each other connected to. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like with every text, we're like, remember? Yeah, totally. Remember? Totally. I know you, I know you went back to Dallas. I know you went back to Utah. <laughs> totally. I know you went back to London. Or, but remember, like, don't forget that. I feel like that's what we're doing with each other. Yeah, and that's helpful. I mean, I think, you know, community is something that we both know is one of the most powerful transformational yeah. tools that's there. But being a part of it ourselves is something that we also have to administer, you know, to ourselves as well as create these containers. Because I know you hold these big retreats and, and the community aspect of that, the bonding, the people going through it. It's a traditional satsang where you have people with these same ideas yeah. going through these initiatory rituals and things that actually bond them even closer. And then they have this sense of tribe. And that's what I'm doing with the Fit for Service Mastermind. And But like we found that for ourselves and that's really special but so did you because i look at that and i'm like man i've done that 
for 10 years for other people now and I and I'm embarrassed to say I haven't done it for myself like that Poland trip was needed in so many ways for me and it brought me I ha, I'm very very lucky that I have community and family and not everyone is close to their family and so that's that's always given me a sense of original tribe mm. that I've been very very blessed to have but I also you know I live in LA my family are in London I haven't created that sense of community outside of maybe two or three close friends but even them I do a poor job of seeing regularly enough do you feel that you've done a good job of that in your life or was Poland f like so it was for Poland, me Poland wasn't the first because I do that in Sedona and I bring people together and but it's so sparse like so take my I mean I've been back from the darkness now for close to now uh, like a week and a half two weeks um and I've seen some of my really dear friends and brothers who I've gone through that. But what was the circumstance that I saw them? Well, I was with a girl that I'm dating right now. And we were, you know, one of my brothers was there with the girl that, that she's seeing. And then one of them was alone and we had dinner and drinks and it wasn't the same thing, mm. you know, like I saw them, mm. but it wasn't, it wasn't the same container that really allowed us to like bond in that certain way. And, uh, and I think that's the interesting thing. It's like, not only, it's not only having them, but it's like about creating, creating the containers and experiences where you're actually going through something that's, that's potent. So what's know? the answer to that? How do, how do we, because I, I'm, that's yeah. what I'm fascinated by right now. That's like, you know, for us, I look at it like, okay, well, great start. Like we got, we did this thing and we've got this amazing group of guys and like, Man, we did. We we were able to create something there that people are lucky to have, and I'm like, okay, so what? How do we keep creating that container? We have to just we have to make it a priority, you know. Like that's the thing, and I think we have lots of different priorities, and that's really something that I've reflected on. Is like the priorities we think we have are largely based on momentum. They're largely based on conditioning. They're largely based on the satiation of some need for validation or a thrill that's temporary. Like if I look at the amount of effort I've spent and energy I've spent in romantic relationships versus the value <laughs> that I've actually gotten into my life right. from that, like right. I get so full just hanging with my dear friends right. and going through an experience like yeah. that in Poland. But how often do I do that? Or it's doing like that in Sedona, but I'll prioritize this trip to Miami with this girl that I'm interested in yeah. or this trip here or this fucking yacht party or whatever the fuck I'm trying to do, which is costing me more. Right. And like I'm getting less but yeah, all right, there's going to be that momentary thrill where we connect sexually. Mm -hmm. And like that for some reason, not for some reason, I've actually explored that reason. It's because that made me feel better about myself right. when that happened. So it's not like a mystery why I was doing that. But the actual thing itself is like, yeah, sex is great. I love sex. But it's not like, it's not that fucking important or that good yeah. that it's worth prioritizing your life towards that instead of prioritizing your life towards creating something else that's really going to fulfill you. Yeah. And I think that's just this level of kind of maturity that I think we were talking about earlier in the kitchen. It's just, there's, it's just about changing your priorities to say, all right, like business, yeah, I could grow it a little harder and a little faster if I just continued nose to the grindstone, always focus on that. But is that really the most important? What if I'm really full? 
and I do less, but everything I do emanates with a certain energy that's richer and that can go deeper. So maybe my output slows, but my quality just goes way up because I'm filling myself up. And when you fill your cup up, you can pour that abundantly and generously back out. And I think that's just, that's just the shift. I think it's, I think that's huge. And it is a, a reprioritization around like what we did in Poland as a group has given me this kind of, it's given me this, it's like fat burning versus sugar burning, right? Mm -hmm. Like the kind of sex you're talking about is like sugar burning, right? It's Mm -hmm. like you get the rush, but it's not, what does it mean to you two days from now? Yeah. That trip and being, having that sense of community that has lasted with me the entire month. Right. Like I've, it's like given me a different energy this month. People in my life have noticed a difference. Yeah. Because I feel connected differently. And I mean, it's even, it's made me reprioritize how much I get together certain people. Like last Friday, I mean, I got my friends in LA and a few of my team together for a night. And what was really, what I forget is as people were leaving and saying their goodbyes, people were saying to me, hey, thanks for doing this. Like, thanks for getting us all together. You forget how much other people aren't doing it for themselves either. Nope. And like, even these friends who, we're all good friends. We love each other. Like, we're, we're close. And yet, we're all sitting around uselessly not <laughs> making shit happen. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like we're, Or just falling into the old patterns. What's the old pattern? Drink. Bring the girl that you're going to sleep with, all get together, hang yeah. out, you know, and then have a few drinks, have a few laughs. That's all good. Like yeah. it's part of it. But you're not going to wake up the next day and be like, oh man, yesterday was the day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was fucking, yeah. you'd be like, yeah, I had, I had a good time. I had a good time with my, my homies, I had a good time, you know. But like it doesn't, it's not, it's not the same as like carving out that time. No. And yeah. that's the balance I'm trying. I'm trying to find that balance this year where it is, it's a busy year. Work, you know, like I was listening to like Jesse's stuff, Jesse mm-hmm. Itzler's like his whole thing on inserting a certain number of experiences every mm-hmm. year. You know, mm-hmm. I, I forget the number he puts, but he's like every eight weeks or whatever. There has to be something in my schedule that shakes things up, that's different, that's not just the norm. Uh, and I looked at that in my own life. I'm like, man, I want to continue with that yeah. pattern. But what I'm playing with this year that's that's a little bit new, because I always prioritized just what are the things I have to do? What are the things that I need to get done? I need to make a new video every week. Mm-hmm. I need to do this, do that, do that. Be this present on social media. I need to get ready for this program that I'm running that I run twice a year. It's all routine. And and yeah, it falls into my area of responsibility. And, and we're blessed that we get to do something we love. A hundred percent. You know, so, so it's virtuous in many ways. Yes. But I think Jesse provided that he's already passed that first mountain. He's got nothing to prove on the business side. Mm-hmm. He's like accomplished all of that. And so I think we all got to learn from him. And that wisdom that you're sharing there is like, he's not growing for growth's sake anymore. He's growing. He's doing what he wants to do. Right in a more radical way. And I think we're all in a position where we can start to do that. And I think Jesse was a good leader to like remind us that, you know, and I've done that a little bit, but I haven't done that to the degree that I want to do that. And that's the transition that I'm making. To me, you're like, you know, I feel like you've done so many journeys and you've done so many things. That's like, 
you know, I said to you, uh, you know, about some experience, other thing I want to do this year. And you were like, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a cool thing. Uh, you know, like I, I could tell, like for you, that's like, you've been there, done that. Like you've, you've done so many things. So I feel like I'm looking at you and going, well, I need more of that. Mm. Whereas I'm curious, what's the next, what's like, for you, who's done such varied experiences, like what do you qualify as as growth now for you, out of the ordinary? It's it's a it's more of a continuum. It's more of a gradient, right? It's like it's not necessarily a hard line. People love these hard lines. They're like January first, I'm a new man. Yeah. Starting Monday, I'm keto as fuck, <laughs> and it's going from this point forward. And it doesn't hold, right? Because like change happens generally in these gradual ways. Even as an extreme thing, like going from the cold to the darkness, I took two weeks doing that. It was a massively transformational experience. Slipped right back into like slipped right back into the normalcy. Right. But I'm now starting to have that awareness to be like, okay. Like, what is really, really important? You know, what do I really want to do? I've accomplished enough now, you know, that like I want to start shifting more into that Jesse mindset, yeah. you know, where, yeah, it's not all about just growth for growth's sake and, and like building for building's sake. It's about like, what is going to make me happy? Yeah. You know, like I really, really, and I've said this and I've given lip service to this idea, but I haven't followed through. I, I said, I started saying in speeches I would give like, my goal is to be the one who enjoyed the second half of his life the most. Mm. Like that is, that is the real goal. It's not like, what's your, what's your lifelong plan? What's your thing? I don't know. I'm going to do this stuff I love to do, but yeah. I want to enjoy this. Yeah. Cause if I don't enjoy it, like what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like, yeah, I want to help people. That's, that's like a deep calling and it's very satisfying. And I always feel good when I do that, but I also want to enjoy it myself. Yeah. I want to like, enjoy the whole process and so it's just a little shift in mentality of not like uh, trying to accomplish but accomplishing while enjoying yes and i'll probably fucking accomplish more that's the paradox and i've struggled with that myself where you know for for years um, i've worked very hard for many consecutive years now and there were times during the last decade where i really felt like I remember a guy saying to me, he, he, it was a, maybe three years ago, he was like, I was describing something to him. He says, you're disconnected. And at the time I was too proud to, to hear it because I was like, fuck you. Like I'm, my whole thing is being connected. Yeah, I do yeah, this yeah, for yeah. a living, whatever. And, and, I, and I look back now and I'm like, Eesh, that hurt because it was true. And, and, you know, I think one of the reasons that I, felt disconnected at certain points along the way even as I was achieving a lot is because I was doing a lot of things I felt I had to do and not anymore doing like the whole thing that made me start my company was I really loved this content mm -hmm. I really loved ideas it was exciting to me to talk about it yes I wanted to do my own thing I, I you know I, I knew I wouldn't thrive in an off a typical office environment so there was that but I knew this was something I was passionate about. And somewhere along the way, it became an obligation. And I started doing it because this is our schedule. And this is how often we put things out. And, and you got a team that's, that you're supporting. Right. You so got, now you got to look you after got people who people who are expecting certain things. That's right. So now it's like, a, you don't want to be the guy who's just like, well, next for the next year, I'm doing nothing. I'm going to go because then the team's like, well, we have jobs too. So now <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's, 
so there's that and everything becomes a bit more complicated. And I, I've started to realize now because I was so utilitarian about my next move, like, you know, well, what do people want from me? What do people want to hear from me? What's the next thing they want me to talk about? What's the, and so it was always driven by that. What, what will work and what do people want from me? And I realized this is, I got to a point where I was in a, in a weird way, not burning out, but like my emotion on it and my zest for it was burning out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why is this? Oh, it's because what what's the thing I'm doing that's just fun? Mm. Like, not just like what's fun outside, because you get into the thing of like, this is business and this is fun. Fun is going to a movie. Fun <laughs> is going out with, you know, seeing my family. Fun uh -huh. is going on vacation. But what was the fun work thing? What was the thing that I was doing that maybe no one was going to want, but I loved, I was like, oh, right. I really love this thing. Like I was talking to someone this morning, a, 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 a recording artist who's making a, a comic book. And I'm, I'm like, you know so what was the reason for that she's like i just wanted it just felt fun right i'm like i need to do that more. yeah exactly exactly and i think it's freeing ourselves from was just another thing i was mentioning to you is i i felt like i was in debt to everybody and this is a, my own pathology my own neuroses my own pathology i felt like i owed everybody something and it was like it wasn't even it was never enough mm. and then realizing through a lot like actually no like it's all good you know like i can't keep being in debt i can't live my life in debt because that anxiety is a constricting force feeling in debt and feeling like you need to and feeling like you're obligated is not the same as moving from your own passion inspiration and love towards that thing that you want to do anyways it's like you may be doing the same thing but it's how you're doing it you're doing it because like oh yeah fuck yeah i want to do this how do you deal with that as as life gets bigger, you know, cause I, I, I've led a, a fairly introverted, extroverted life in the sense that, you know, a lot of people know my work or know of my company or whatever, but I, I've been fairly extroverted, uh, introverted. And I look at someone like Lewis Howes, who's like constantly, you know, meeting people and, you know, like knows so many different people. And, and I said to Lewis once, I was like, how do you, do? I can't seem to get back to everyone I know mm -hmm. and you know, everyone. So how do you deal with the constant, like feeling like you got to text this person back, feeling like you've got to email back, feeling as your life gets bigger, that there's more people that ask you for things. There's more people that want to connect with you. There's more people that you want to do favors for. There's more people. How do you deal with that as your life expands it, kind of going in the other direction almost? I haven't dealt with it well. That's the, that's the truth. I mean, and that was that feeling of constantly being in debt. The more people who I felt like I wasn't giving my attention and, and intention and like full presence, the more I would feel in debt. And, and so are you now thinking, like as you think of people in your life now, are you thinking, well, if it costs me opportunities to be, to do my own thing more, or if someone's annoyed at me, or if... I don't have a stronger relationship with that person, which leads to the whatever. I'm just, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, you have to let go. You have to just let go of that and trust that whenever that time comes, you know, like the, the interaction and the experience will be there. And it's, it's, uh, 
it's trusting that they'll be able to see that and the ones that are really important to you will be able to see that and know that if i go dark and if i'm if i don't respond to a text it's not because i don't like them and i you know i get i would worry about that i would text somebody who i who i really like like a friend and they wouldn't get back to me and i'm like Oh man, I wonder if like if they're mad at me for some reason or something like that, right? <laughs> I do the same. You know, <laughs> I literally have people that I like. I send a text to or whatever, and I, like they don't get back to it, and I'm like, "Wow, what it? <laughs> what's going on? Like, why? You know, I like get hurt, and then I realize there's 20 people I love. Yeah, that I've done that to in the last month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you start to realize like this is just. This is just life and it's all yeah. good. And most likely all the time we spend all this anxiety, but then we run into that person and it's just fucking hugs and smiles. And it's like, wow, man, fucking good to see you. It's so yeah. good to see you, yeah. you know? And, and I guess it's just trusting in that more and just trusting that if someone is out of accord with that, well, that's their own story. You know, it's like you, you haven't changed how you feel. And, you know, every, we all have to just deal with our own, concerns about that and our own attachments and our own feelings of unworthiness and our own fear that we're not doing enough so how do you deal with people who you come across in your life whether they're friends someone you're seeing romantically some who have an adverse reaction to you you know what they may perceive as disappearing or ghosting or whatever and they come to you with that adverse reaction do you it, what's your strategy for dealing with that situation it's truth you know like truth is like you expressing the truth and sometimes sometimes the truth is like you know what like i really wasn't thinking about it from your perspective like i can do better mm -hmm. and sometimes the truth is like man i just got so much going on like you know i love you always like but don't stress if i if i don't get back to you so you just kind of mm. set the clear truth of what what is possible but it's really I tricky like both those answers by yeah the way. it's really know. tricky in romantic relationships because i could be having a great day and i could be interested in somebody you know because i'm fully single now and seeing different people and it could be somebody that i'm interested in seeing and they don't get back to me for a day and i'm stuck I'm, I'm like bummed out the whole day yeah. you know I'm like everything yeah. else is fucking great the sun <laughs> is shining like things are good yeah. but so-and-so hasn't texted me back i wonder if she doesn't like me anymore oh man maybe that's because she found somebody that's better than me and right. oh, well you know maybe i'm just not that cool after yeah. all like maybe i wasn't that good in bed last time yeah. maybe she found somebody who's better and you start going through these whole mental patterns and then you know and usually like two days later be like hey what's up like how you doing <laughs> You know, but if you if you go and this is I'm sure something that you you teach and talk about, like you over pursue that, you're actually going to drive that person away. Yeah, just like put it out there and like let them have their time and their space and just trust and hold and like believe in your own self worth. And if they want to go some other direction, that's cool. I think one of the things that's you know, it's an interesting difference between being single and being in a relationship is that. If you're single and you feel that lack of attention, you're like, you know, you want your drug, you want your fix, you want your, like, that person's not complimented me today. They haven't responded to me today. They, didn't, they haven't called me. They didn't ask me to go out again or whatever. When you're single, and, and it, of course it depends on the nature of you in a relationship, whether you're in a monogamous relationship, open relationship, whatever. But when you're single, you could go get your drugs elsewhere. Yeah. You're like, 
oh, well, they didn't text me back. Let me text three other people. Like there's a, <laughs> there's a sense of like, yeah. you can be that, you can go crazy and people don't even realize you're going crazy. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like you, people don't realize what an addict you are yeah. until all of a sudden you're expected to be in an actual relationship yeah. where it's not, someone's not just going to be there every five minutes to give you your drug. And if they don't, it may not be appropriate to go and get it off here, over here. Right. So now you're, you know, I've been in relationships before where I realized I'm a, oh, wow. I'm a, I'm a drug addict. Like yeah. this. That's, is a, that's the signature of codependency. To right. a certain degree. You're dependent upon a certain level of attention, affection, yep. love, validation that you get from one source. So in some ways, like outsourcing that is actually a, is a safe way to release that dependency, but it also can rob you of the depth of connection that you can get in right. that in that truly intimate relationship. Right. But it's it's a delicate dance because ideally you want to be fully in love and fully present, but also not attached. Do you have any kind of barometer? Because I think what a lot of people struggle with, and I've struggled with in the past, is okay. There's this where. I'm in a relationship. I want this much attention. On one side of that is I have an issue. I need to fix this. I need attention way too much, way too often. I'm looking for someone else to make me feel good, to validate me, to make me feel whole, to make me feel connected and so on. On the other side of that is I'm a human being with needs who wants to feel connected. And what's the point in even having a relationship if I'm feeling disconnected so often mm. and i think what what well i know especially because a lot of people ask me this what a lot of people struggle with is am i the one with the issue in how much i'm asking for or is this person genuinely not meeting my needs at an appropriate level mm. with what they're doing mm. which is true and i think that when you're close to a relationship because it's your own that can be really really difficult to answer it's uh it's about i think trusting trusting the boundary that you set you know like it would it would be nice to have the divine perspective of non-attachment and you know i really started to understand what that divine perspective is it was like the loving a perspectival witness where you're just like i'm loving you exactly as you are Mm -hmm. and whatever your journey is is fucking beautiful but then there's also the human part of it which is things hurt and there's boundaries and there's things that you would want in a relationship so it's a delicate dance of expressing that i love you exactly as you are but here are the boundaries like and the boundaries are if we're in a relationship we need to spend connected present time Mm. together Mm. and so if we're together and we're doing something phones are gone like we're not on them you know and we're going to go do things that are not just the typical routine things we're going to go do some breathing or do some meditation or do do the things that like bonded all of us together in poland right Mm. but i mean it might not be the cold with your with your lover it might not be the plant medicine it might not be this thing but you have to find something that's going to get you access to that higher part of yourself where the real connection and like that real part is there and i think that's an area that you know i've struggled with myself because i'll chase i'll chase what i think somebody wants so like a girl that i'm with will want to party and i'll be like and they'll be partying with somebody else and i'll be like 
Oh, you're partying with him? I'll show you a fucking party. <laughs> you think that's a party? Here's a party, but I don't want to fucking... I'll show you a yeah, party. I'll show you a party. You call that a party? Call it's that like a that. knife? That's <laughs> yeah, exactly what I was thinking. That fucking Crocodile Dundee moment where you're like, you call that a knife? It's, it's just like, no, man, stop. Fucking stop. Yeah. And I've started to like rethink my, like rethink everything. Like, what am I really here for? And you're like, what am I, what actually makes me feel good? And, and it, it's, it's about like giving that rather than trying to take anything else or compete for anything else. Mm. And like not chasing that pleasure or not chasing that thing, but being you. And then, you know, I, I had a date, I had a date recently. And in that, in that recent date, you know, she was, really more comfortable if she was doing something for me than receiving something from mm. me so in that moment i was like okay well what's going to be interesting tonight is if i don't let you do anything for me and tonight's about you right like this is way more fucking interesting because yeah. and it was like she was uncomfortable she's like <laughs> fuck that's vulnerable and like yeah. that that makes me nervous and i'm like perfect yeah like great like you have to release, you can release all of that. I'm going to get nothing out of this, but actually I'm going to get everything I want, which is to be a force that's going to be a benefit to your life. Right. Like to help, to help give you something. So I woke up, even though I didn't get to experience the pleasure that I've chased most of my life, I got to be a, a positive force in this person's life that was made me feel like, oh yeah, I know what I'm here for. I'm here to like bring more up bring more to someone's life not take what i need and have this mutual taking which is like i'll give you this you give me this it's like it's almost transactional nature of relationship right like i'll give you this you give me this we're even but if you can get to that state of like no i'm just i'm just giving and in the giving you have a receiving that's so much richer than i 100 percent agree i the danger of course is that you knowing the right person to give to and i work with a lot of people who they're givers by nature which can be can come from a positive place or not like Mm. there's the people like to own that like it's a very righteous thing like i'm a giver sometimes they're a giver just because they're a generous person Uh, there are plenty of givers who are givers because it's a manipulation for love. And, you know, I just, I, that's what I know. We all have our weapons, right? Mm-hmm. Some people's weapons is being the sexiest person in the club. Like other people's weapon is, I'm going to do more for you than anyone else humanly would. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be a martyr for you in, in your life. That everyone has their weapon and some people get addicted to giving as their weapon, right? Like I, this is the only way I know how to get love. And what probably freaked her out on that date was you took away my weapon. Right. That was my weapon. That's how I know how to get you to <laughs> like me. I might not get, be able to get you to like me if I'm not doing shit for you. Uh-huh. Now that freaks her out because i got to find a different weapon. Yeah. I and then it's disarming. And then in the disarming is the vulnerability and the, in the disarming Complete. is the connection. Now i gotta, now I got to rely on who I actually am. Ooh. And that's freaky to people. <laughs> that you know, is. To all of us. So I think the, but, but I have a lot of people who give to people who only take. And I think the key is you got to, you got to find someone who has the same attitude to giving. So as what you, you need to give that person is boundary. 
You That's know? cool. I like that. So like yeah. you can still be a giver, but it's not this coddling. It's never coddling. You give them what they're, you're, you're, you're attending to their soul, their whatever word you want to call it. Soul has a lot yeah. of, a lot of like attachment, a lot of barnacles on that word that can mean a lot of things, but you're attending to the higher part of themselves, the part of himself that wants to learn and grow, not attending to that needy, mm. greedy, egoic aspect and the thing that you, you know, think might get you what you want in this, in this regard. You're attending to their soul, just like with a kid. It, you need to give boundary. That's great. And that's, that's your gift. And it's a gift that comes with a sacrifice because you know that if you put that boundary up, like, hey, what you're doing here is taking. Yeah. And so my boundary is, is that I'm not going to be in a situation. So I'm going to give this boundary to you wow. and to me. And so it, the love that you're actually giving is it's in some ways, you know, a tough, a tougher love. It's yeah. like, I'm not going to give you what your ego wants. I'm going to give you what your soul needs, which and, is to understand boundaries. And a riskier love because you may not be able to handle this. Right. And, you and might it may leave all end. Me. It may all end. You might leave me for your drug. Yeah. Like that might not work for you and you may not be ready for this. And so I might have to sacrifice you in the process of doing both loving you, really loving you, not the fake I'm trying to get attention from you, but actually loving you and giving you what you need, not what you want, mm -hmm. and loving myself enough to have those boundaries. Now I risk losing you. And I think actually you almost always have to be willing to let go. Yeah. You almost always have to be willing to lose that thing to actually get the thing that you really want. You know, it's like you have to, to, win, the, to win the pot you have to push your chips in sometimes, yeah. you know, and sometimes you're going to lose those chips, but that's the, that's the only move that makes sense. You can't just keep playing the game, throwing in one piece at a time. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to push your chips in and that's where you set that boundary saying like, no, 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 these are the, these are the rules of engagement in our relationship. Yeah. And like, that's, that's going to be helpful for you and helpful for them because it's going to make them be aware like, oh, wow. All right. Well, I gotta, I gotta take a look at some things. Yes. I, I have, I know one of my weaknesses in the past and, and still today I have to constantly figure this out is that not, not being willing to like in any area, like I've done it in business before. Like we had a situation recently where, you know, my dad will go out and find different things outside the business that we might want to invest in. And he brought me this deal and we were looking at it and he's like, you know, it's a great deal. I think we should do it fine if you've vetted it if you believe in it let's let's have a punt mm -hmm. then these people were pushing us and pushing us and pushing us like we got to close today we got to close today we got to close today we weren't ready our lawyers hadn't properly taken a look at the papers and whatever my dad's like we're not we're not going to be rushed here like with this is what it is if it's gonna if it's the right deal it'll be the right deal and i said well dad shouldn't we try and like like really rally to get it done today i'm like that I'm being the anxious voice right. in his head. Like, shouldn't we? And he said, there'll be another deal. Mm. If, they can't, if they can't wait for us to do the proper due diligence and if we're not going to, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then on the day, you know, when again, with the price, he offered a price and they're like, well, this price or whatever. And he, eventually he looked to me and he said, this is the price I think we should do. And I said, but they might take it for this little bit more. And he, right, that's me, like, moving mm -hmm. our boundary. Sure, sure. We've already decided what it's worth. Yeah. But I'm moving the boundary now. I'm moving. 
that's the anxious voice moving the boundary. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, Matt, there'll be another one. <laughs> if, it doesn't, if it doesn't work at this level, I'm letting them know it doesn't work for us and that's okay. Now, I needed him to be that voice of calm in that moment. And I have to do that for myself a lot too, where I'm, like, I, I am always looking at those moments where I'm like, where is this anxiety, anxious voice talking that goes, we're gonna lose something. Yeah. If we don't act, we're gonna lose something. If we don't, we're gonna lose something. There is no nutritional protocol that makes me feel better than when I'm leaning towards a full ketogenic diet. Just flat out, I feel the best when I'm in that state. Now, the issue with eating a really high protein diet is there's something called gluconeogenesis. And when gluconeogenesis happens, the body converts protein into sugars, which actually takes you out of that ketogenic window. But if you have something like fat snacks, which is incredibly high in fat, that's something that's delicious, that's gonna help support you in your keto diet. Now, being keto is boring. Like it's so boring. You're eating like mac nuts, you're eating avocados. It's hard to have that much high fat and still enjoy yourself. And that's where something like fat snacks is absolutely incredible to have available. Because whether you're making a keto shake and you wanna mix those cookies in, I mean, I've started putting peanut butter cookies in my berry shakes. I've started putting the chocolate cookies in my chocolate shakes, the chocolate chip cookies in my vanilla shakes. I'm doing all of that, but I'm also just snacking on fat snacks when I want to have that keto lifestyle and still have something that makes it interesting and exciting because food is pleasure. Food is something that you're supposed to enjoy and fat snacks just crushes it. So if you haven't tried it yet, please check it out. It's fatsnax.com slash Aubrey, fatsnacks.com slash Aubrey. You'll save 10% on everything. And if you haven't tried to go keto, it's gonna take a couple days but how you feel is gonna be remarkable. It's gonna be one of the biggest positive changes that you can make, and you don't have to do it forever, but when you feel it, you'll understand why everybody is talking about it. So once again, fatsnacks.com slash Aubrey. All the flavors are awesome. Check it out and save 10%. All right, so I have a very interesting question for you that's like in in your field for sure, because a lot of what you talk about is breaking through that barrier because there's so, it's so actually hard to get close to somebody that like a strategy to get you even into the dance, like into the dance where you can start doing this is hard. So like a lot of your work has been like how to get a guy to pay attention to you or, yeah. and it can be reversed because I listened to some of your advice and that definitely works for girls, but it works for men too. For sure. Like you were talking about complimenting something that was not an innate quality of them. Like don't say, oh wow, you have such beautiful eyes. Well, they didn't make their <laughs> eyes. Right. Right. But if you compliment, you talked about complimenting their style or complimenting instead of the the effect of what they've created, complimenting the effort that's gone towards creating that, which was yes. a choice that they made. Yeah. Right. Which is universal. Like that's a great way to do that. So I guess my question for you is those are all good those are all good like white magic strategies to get you in the dance. But like in some regards even having any strategy is kind of like a bummer. Like I'm on a dating app, right? And it's a weird thing. It's like, well what po what photo should I use with my profile? And I'm looking at it like, well this is fucked. <laughs> you know, this is fucked. I'm like, I'm like, it's like me changing my fishing lures yeah. 
And I'm like, this is fucked, but it's necessary. And it's yielded some amazing relationships. Most have turned into friendships, Mm -hmm. honestly. But I have like three or four good female (laughs) friends, you know, that have come from this. But nonetheless, I'm like changing lures and I'm figuring this shit out. And it's like I'm playing a game just to get in the game. Right. You know what I mean? So like, I guess, I guess the, the, it's just an interesting dance because we have to play. We all, it feels like we have to play strategy to even get to the point where we can get rid of strategy. This is a, a question that goes to the heart of so much of what I do. I have asked myself this question <laughs> a million times. Um, look, anything that, anything that has people deviating from their authentic self would appear on the surface to be uh, uh, questionable. You'd uh-huh. go, well, surely, I mean, again, the, the stereotype is the, the stereotypical comment is, isn't it just about being yourself? Like, surely that's the answer. And that kind of an answer is a little, there's something a little disingenuous about the question when people say that because, our, you know, ourselves is constantly evolving. Ourself is, by definition, anytime we say, talk about ourselves, we're looking in the rearview mirror. And it's also a multiplicity. Like, Correct. You're a different self every fucking day. It, exactly. So, and often, you know, when people, I asked my mum once, I said, how do you know who you are? And she said, well, okay. my mum has a simplicity to the way she answers things that sometimes really kind of hits the nail on the head. She said, I guess I know who I am by what I've done and what I'm comfortable with. I said, right, that's, that's kind of true. That's how we kind of assess who we are. Mm is what I've done before and what I'm comfortable with. But that speaks to no part of who you could be yeah, or the ways you could evolve. You're really just describing your resume up until now and using that to paint a picture of who you are. I find that to be very limiting. So when a woman comes to me and she's like, oh, you say this thing about like flirting, but I'm not like, I wouldn't say something like that. I'm like, so you don't flirt? Like you don't have a flirtatious side of you? Or what are you really describing to me your comfort zone right now? Mm. Not who you are. You're just describing to me a comfort zone that I'm not comfortable flirting because I haven't done it in a long time. Right. So now that's complicated because mm. I'm, I'm pulling out. I believe I'm pulling out parts of people that are already there. They're just dormant or they haven't exercised that in a long time. As for the, the strategy part of it in, In every part of life I can think of, there is both a confidence aspect and a competence Mm -hmm. aspect. We may have started businesses because we believed that we, we believed with some confidence that we had something to add, maybe something to say, maybe a product that would be valuable. We were answering a question from the marketplace. But we believed with some confidence we had something of value. That's a, that's a feeling of confidence. That's not competence. You can confidently start a business. That doesn't mean you can competently run a business. Right. And so the competence part is 
like anything. The, the breathing, there's a confidence aspect to the breathing, but there's also a competence aspect. I need to understand the mechanics of what I'm doing. There's a confidence aspect to me stepping on stage and giving a speech, but the competence of it is actually extremely important. Otherwise, I'm like, I could get on stage and confidently talk. That doesn't mean I know how to be terse. It doesn't mean I know how to articulate a point with a beginning, a middle, and an end. It doesn't mean that I know how to use a stage. It doesn't mean I know how to project my voice, all of which could ruin a perfectly good speech if I don't build competence in those areas. But if you didn't have the confidence, you wouldn't build the competence. Or it, it, that, well, this is, that's where things get real interesting. Because <laughs> confidence, confidence, which could be defined as a feeling of certainty about your future ability at something, is very handy. And there are certain people that just feel very capable. Mm-hmm. My life has taught me I'm fairly capable. So if I take up this new sport, I'm not competent yet, but I'm pretty confident I'll get good right. if I keep doing it, right? right? When you're an able person, you have that kind of a natural confidence. Um, the danger of, of needing confidence to build competence is that there are areas where you don't have any reference points for being for, for having confidence in that area where I've never been successful in this way. Mm. I speak to women who I've never been with a guy who hasn't cheated on me mm. to ask that person now to have confidence that the next relationship is going to be faithful. It's very difficult because I've got no reference points. And so, so much of our belief systems, you know, you either rely on faith or you rely on reference points, <laughs> right? Some things, some people have that ability to believe things on faith and other people need more reference points uh, and people differ along that kind of scale. But the one thing I think can transcend all of that is, is just necessity. Um, when, when something comes along in your life that, that presents itself as an opportunity or there's something you want to do, something you want to try, or wanting a relationship or wanting... The thing that can trump everything is just necessity. I, there is no, like I, I describe it to people on my retreat as like, if I put your hand in a flame, you are not going to spend any time at all asking yourself, can I overpower Matthew and get my hand out of the flame? It's not going to be a can I mm. situation. It's an I have to situation. I, there's no, I got to get my hand out of the flame. So that person's going to rip my arm out of its socket if they have to. They're going to kick, they're going to scream, they're going to bite, they're going to do something. They'll do anything to get themselves out of that situation because the flame is burning their hand. They don't have the luxury of asking them whether they can and themselves whether they can do it. And I think there's something very interesting about that is what's the what's the what are the things in our lives that we keep asking ourselves like do I have the right level of belief? Do I have the right level of confidence? Can I do this? And how many of them could we actually turn into the flame? How many of them, like, could we frame in the, at the level of stakes that make it about something far bigger? And the danger for us all is that we're cozy, man. Like, we're cozy. We're, we're not going to die of starvation, most of us. You know, we're not living in those parts so of the necessity, world. So necessity, necessity. So I'm imagining, so one area, I'm not very, I'm, despite all of the areas that I am confident, I'm not very comfortable 
going up to a girl and talking to her. Like if I'm at Erwan and I see a girl that's right. like, and, and Erwan is a place where lots of people are very comfortable doing this, you know, and that's also yeah. one of the reasons why I'm not comfortable <laughs> doing this is like, everybody's fucking talking. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that fucking right. guy, but it could be in any situation, right? Like I'm just not that comfortable, but it almost seems like the discomfort in that is a compass that says you should probably do it. You like it, you should probably move forward and just talk, just just like talk to, just talk, just go for it. You don't need to. You can go home and you'll be fine, yeah. you know. And you can you can masturbate later, <laughs> and like <laughs> life will be okay, you know. Like so, there isn't yeah. the necessity, but the but the contraction. There's there's gold at the end of that thing if you're actually willing to like like I'm gonna lay it on the line, and she might just be like, yeah, fuck off in her mm-hmm. own you know, probably nice way, but yeah. she'll eventually be like, yeah, fuck off. And that would hurt. But until, if I didn't do it, if I didn't take that chance, then I wouldn't know. You know but the I, gold is also part of the stakes that create the fear. <laughs> yeah, it's you true. You know what I mean? So it's almost like, I mean, there's any number of different different ways to di- to, to to break down what could make it easier. Because if at the end of the day, we're unlikely to rid ourselves of, of all of our nerves about a situation like that. That would be fairly unnatural. Um, but the game is always reduce the nerves to the point where taking action is now, the, 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 the balance is tipped in favor of taking action. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always kind of obsessed with what's the, what are the mechanisms that, reduce the nerves well one way is um if i'm creating stakes around the outcome here i need to create stakes around a different paradigm the stakes need to be based around the kind of person i want to be and that i i cannot not be i cannot be the person who doesn't jump into the frozen lake Mm. I can't be the person that jumps out at minute, minute seven of a 10 minute ice bath. I can't, I need, I'm the person who does it. And, and so I think we, what we should start creating stakes around is who I want to be as a person. The win is if I was the kind of person that said something instead of nothing, instead of the win is if she responds to me and gives me the number. Beautiful. That's uh, it. Right? That's it. It's about like you being you being the hero of your own of your own story. Yeah, you being the hero of your own movie. What would the hero do? I can sleep at night without the number, but going to bed at night knowing I didn't say the thing that I can't do. Right, that's the that's the difference. Is I the number not getting the number or whatever? The result, fuck it. That's not going to even you know. And I say this to women all the time because of course people have been hurt. Right, they've been hurt. The idea of another relationship where I could get my heart broken again, fuck that. I don't want to, I don't want that, you know, I don't, it's now, but the problem is that the goal is the stakes are around, will I or won't I get hurt? The stakes should be around, am I, I'm really going to be that person in life who shies away from ever having a relationship again because I've been hurt? I'm going to be that person. Yeah, I'm going to protect myself yeah, and I'm going like, to play it ugh. safe and I'm going to play it small. That's gross. And that's me. So then the necessity comes from being, being, being your hero. Yeah. You state who I, who do I want to be? Those are my stakes. My stakes aren't the results. Those are fake stakes. <laughs> That's so true, man. That's so true. I still want to dive a little deeper because, all Tell right, me. so let's say what, what I'm curious about is I read the book, The Game yeah. from Neil Strauss. Have you read that book? Yeah, long, long time, time ago, ago yeah. right? 
And that book dabbles in black magic and what I would call black magic. It's using psychological techniques like the neg, for example, is this backhanded compliment that creates a certain sense of insecurity in somebody that you can cure because you've caused you've caused the pain and then you provide the solution, which is a psychological manipulation. That's black magic for your game. Yeah. Right. That's strategy. But it's strategy played without the ethics and without being the person do you want to be the person that manipulates someone into your bed no you don't want to be that person so it follows your thing where that's okay that's out right like that's i would, gotta, also, I would also argue that um i, I have s- several problems with the idea of the neg firstly the neg starts from a place it starts from the assumption that you're lower value i need to knock you down so Uh that we're on the same level (laughs) you don't need to neg someone who's of the same value as you yeah you don't know we don't go go into that situation in poland and start negging each other (laughs) because you just go in as equals right you only have to neg in a situation where you feel like you're punching up which is establishing your lower worth you're already tipping your hand (laughs) For smart women, like yeah. for smart women, you're already tipping your hand. A smart, emotionally intelligent person knows immediately, oh man, this is an insecure man. Yeah. Huh. Like this is, I don't want to give any time to this person. So that's my first problem is that it already starts with the, this, this assumption that means your confidence isn't in the right place to begin with. I also think we always have to pay attention to, to stop paying attention blindly to what works and start paying attention to who it works on. Mm. The, I don't want the woman that a neg works on. <laughs> yeah, truth. I want it because I want a kind person who values kindness. The kindness is up there for me like you want to talk about like what's my biggest thing that i want in a relationship what's the number one priority for me it's finding a kind individual a kind person does not respond or respect that respond to or respect that behavior Mm -hmm. because it's not kind it's mean yeah it's just mean i don't i i don't i don't like i love playing around with people i love teasing people i love like banter but you won't find me saying a mean comment to someone. Sure. You just won't. Like, you, I, I, I put money on that. You can spend a whole year with me. You will not find me saying mean shit. I sure. just don't, it's not who I am. And I don't want someone in my life who's driven by that. And so I think the moment you neg someone and it works, you're in trouble. Mm. Now yeah, you well, either either they don't respect the kindness or they don't have the awareness. And if they don't have the awareness of their own and they're not able to track what's actually going on, then they might not even have the level of consciousness that, that you want precisely to create the relationship that's going to be virtuous for you anyway. I want the person that recognizes the neg as a mean move yeah. and, and says, I'm, I want no part of this. Yeah, beautifully, beautifully explained. Now, okay, so we're discarding all of these black magic things and now we're getting now we're getting into now we're getting into the white magic Mm -hmm. right so guys and girls let's i mean dating apps are probably the way that most people are meeting people you know this probably better than i i mean 
we're in a digital world where we still will still run into mutual friends and these things will kind of happen naturally and that's all that's all beautiful and but a lot of the dating is happening digitally that's right and it's a it's a game it's a game so how and and like how how do you play that game with authenticity but also with effectiveness that allows people just that entree just that window to create the connection to say like i mean if we were if we were in a country dance hall like broken spoke in austin you know it's an understood rule that regardless you say yes for a dance you don't have to dance for multiple songs but if someone says hey may i dance with and it could be your girl or whatever of course go for a spin right you know like that's the thing that i think that's the thing that we're all trying to get to is like let's just i just want the spin I just mm. want like uh, like give me three minutes <laughs> of texts back yeah. and forth and like we'll figure some shit out from there. But like, how do you even get that? How do you even get that in the digital world, right? Like, and that is going back to like what picture you choose or what what thing that you're doing to actually get you to have this little bit of dance where you can open it up. And what advice do you have for like? And is it different advice for both sexes or is it like what is the what is the authentic way? to play just enough authentic strategy to give you a chance. That's, that is tricky. The, I think both, what, what I'm a big fan of is, I always talk about 2D and 3D. Like, we're, unfortunately, we live in a world now where so much of us is portrayed in 2D. Mm-hmm. That's true of social media as well, and we kind of do it to ourselves too. We kind of caricature ourselves in whatever way we Whatever way we've, we're comfortable getting attention, we caricature ourselves around that. You know, so if we're used to getting attention for being the macho person, then every picture of us is like some tough guy thing. If a woman is used to getting attention from her body in a bikini, then it's like disproportionately her pictures are centered around that. We, we learn what, oh, what's comfortable for me as a way to get attention, and then we build our whole persona around that. And I, I don't think that's what creates attraction. I think that what I call unique pairings creates mm-hmm. attraction. Unique pairings is when you have two things that you don't necessarily normally find in the same person, in the same person. Like there's no, I don't have to be a woman to know that one of the things women are going to go crazy over about you is the fact that you see you, you're a good looking dude who also has like, you look tough, you look strong, but then... All of a sudden, here comes all this emotional intelligence and this sensitivity and this vulnerability. And it's like, holy shit, who am I dealing with? Hmm. I don't know what this is. All of a sudden, you became enigmatic. But if you look at, okay, true. And thank you. I appreciate that. That is very sweet. And I think, and I think you're right. You know, and like patently, you're right. However, if you look at my rejection percentage yeah. on a dating app, yeah. It's extraordinarily high. Yep. And I would hypothesize that there's some very interesting people that if they didn't discard me immediately, we could have some interesting, 100%. interesting interactions. So But isn't that built into the isn't that built into the medium? And almost like part of the part of what we all need to do is lower our expectations for like I need to just be so aware of how much everyone else is experiencing this too that 
we live in these silos on in that world it's not like we're running five different profiles and split testing them yeah, with right, different right, faces right. and not like you know like some people fucking do actually <laughs> i've talked to people who do and that's very interesting when they when they take it to that level right right and i'd be interested to know which of their profiles do the best but i you know we we assume we're getting a lot more than other people and i think that it's just it's just a truth that what we're attracted to in person is very different from what we believe we're attracted to when we see someone in an online profile. Mm-hmm. And we discount people that, like, this is why I think the key, there's only so much you can do in a first message. Because the first message, the problem with the first message is, if you're too, like, blase, and you just write hi, then you're kind of that, like, annoying person that... Yeah is so you you either come across as stupid or so nonchalant that why would someone bother with you if you and that can only really be overcome if you look sexy as hell and you're attracting someone who ultimately just values sexy as hell right (laughs) right which doesn't make that person a bad person but it might speak to where they are in their life it might speak to how much meaning they're looking for all of those things or you write this incredibly intelligent first note, which can also give the wrong impression because that now makes you f- seem like you've thought way too much about a message to someone you don't even know who you have no right. guarantee is even going right. to respond to you. Right. So the, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. What I'm interested in is how quickly can we get people to a place where they can be 3D? And I think that means, A, showing more of your vulnerability early on, in not in like people associate vulnerability too often with like your sub story or you're this or you're that. It's not that it's just pieces of you that humanize you. So I gave the example recently of like, there was someone who, who, who texted me who, you know, I said, what are you, what are you up to? And this person said, um, I am currently trying to build a desk from Ikea with my sister and my dad and there are just pieces everywhere (laughs) and no one knows what they're doing and my mom is just standing watching us laughing and i this person was instantly more attractive totally because i went ah a person yeah (laughs) yeah a person a real individual and and in a in a funny way and she described how they were hysteric they were all in hysterics rolling around and and you look at that and you go so many things are implied in that yeah. like you're a family person you're close to your sister and your dad which i personally love and find adorable uh-huh. your mom's standing there laughing while you like i'm learning about your relationship with your family i'm learning about how seriously you take yourself I'm learning that you can laugh at yourself. I'm learning that you can be vulnerable enough to talk about how you can't make it work. You've got this desk from Ikea and you can't seem to figure it out. Like that says so many things. And you didn't need to give me a shopping list. You know, people do that on profiles. I'm, you know, I have a great sense of humor and I'm blah, blah. Don't tell me you have a great sense of humor. I have a great sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) Like it, and, and I think that, I mean, it comes back to story we're all telling stories right and we forget when we're when we're in those first two or three texts we forget that even in tiny fragmented chunks we get to tell story because we're lost in 
thinking that we need to answer the exact question we've been asked. Mm -hmm. Someone says, how are you? We go, fine, how are you doing? They weren't asking how you are. They were starting a conversation. Mm -hmm. Your job isn't to say how you are. Mm -hmm. Your job is to fuel the conversation. Mm -hmm. So you'd have been better off saying, I'm good, but I can't stop thinking about this movie I saw last night. Mm -hmm. Okay, now we're in. Yeah. Tell me about, well, it's this thing. I don't normally watch horror movies because I'm the person that like will curl up into a ball <laughs> and needs someone to hug. Right. Oh, they're then sweet. You're in. you're in. They're sweet. They're this, they're you're that. Actually, you're actually, you're dancing. Then. Yep. You're dancing then. And people aren't dancing. That's a mm. nice way of putting it. People aren't dancing. They are in this mechanical, logistical conversation. And I think in a world that has become more 2D, we are craving connection. We are craving real vulnerability. And we are crave, craving human beings. Yeah. And when someone replies to us and you go, well, they have that hot picture, but this thing they just said like shows me how three-dimensional they are, how human they are. Now I'm intrigued because no one else, it sounds so obvious, but no one else is doing it. Mm -hmm. It's all about how do I move from 2D to 3D? So if I'm going to encapsulate some of this, it would be about creating, creating through the images that you show mm -hmm. a true story that's, that's a combination of not just like, these are, this is my highlight reel, yeah. but this is, a true, this is a, as true a story as 2D can tell. Well, I, I was on TV the other day, and, and, and I'll let you finish that thought, but the, you know, they brought up a dating profile of someone and said, what's wrong with it? And it was three beautiful pictures of this woman. Like, every one of them was beautiful. But I said, there's literally nothing for me to start a conversation on, on here anyway. Because there's one of you in front of your bed, one of you standing next to a, a friend in a bar, and there was another one that just her standing up against a wall. All nice photos. But... There's no unique pairings in there. There's no three-dimensional thing here where I, I learn about something you're interested in, something you like doing, the kind of person you are. Like even, as you say, even photographs can tell a story, mm -hmm. which is why you, you don't want to be lazy about like just, well, this one's a nice one of me and this one's a nice one of me and this one's a nice one mm -hmm. of me. Because you're not just selling your face. Yeah. Or your accomplishments or the attributes that you just, it's like telling a true story. Then, then, then it's about, okay, so you tell the, tell the story with your photos and then, and I know we're focusing a lot on the digital and I, I just think it's interesting because I, I just see how, how that's such a big piece mm -hmm. and it's so mysterious to me. And maybe that's because I've only been on a dating app for like less than a year. So mm -hmm. I'm like, this is something that's kind of like, cause everybody else I met, you know, that I've had relationships with. It's been mutual friends. We've run into each other. We've had it. We've had a dance that was already happening just through random circumstance, yes. which can actually feel, I remember when, and I didn't have the dating app, it felt like, man, like what are my chances of bumping into this person that I'm going to be able to have this yeah. thing with? Because the bar is a whole other thing too. Yeah. That has its own real weird rules and social dynamics. So there was a sense of liberation, but then there was also this sense of like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. And then so you Google it and it's like, what's the best, what's the best first line? Yeah. You know, you Google that and you come back and they say, what we've found through testing is the best first line is to repeat the person's first name and put an exclamation point. So if you're going after Ashley, you know, like, and you want to connect with Ashley, you say, Ashley, exclamation point. <laughs> that, that's, 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 if you what? Google, that's what you'll find. <laughs> that's what you'll find. 
And it's like, okay, well, I guess I, I guess, I guess try that. And, and how did it, how did it do? It, it's okay. It's okay. But ultimately the ones that have actually worked out and created these virtuous relationships, which as I mentioned, are largely friendships is yeah. what it's ultimately developed. There seems to almost be like an effortless, and I don't know whether it was me or them. I can't recall how it happened, but we, it was an almost like an effortless accord into the dance. And almost like the first line was inconsequential, but immediately we started talking about something yeah. and that human something then made the thing fun. And then we're like kind of laughing and then yeah. we're playing, we're playing, we're dancing, yeah. you know, all of a sudden. And I guess it's just about like how you just make that entree, make that first, that yes. first like entree. And I guess all you can really do is just hold out your hand and some people aren't going to take it and That's don't right. get bummed out. And those people are probably not the right dance partner for you anyways. Yes, exactly. It, well, and of course, the, that, that thing you talked about just there, that's what chemistry feels like. Yeah. Right? Is it feels like talking for 10 minutes and then realizing you haven't asked each other your name. Mm. Like, that's what chemistry feels like. You forget logistics because you're just... That's what, com that's what good conversation feels like. Right. Like, I couldn't have predicted where any of this conversation would have gone because good conversation is this, like it just go, oh, we're off here now. Okay, well, maybe we'll come back to that thing, but maybe we won't because this will spawn this other thing. And that's, that's what good conversation feels like. And, and by the way, a lot of people aren't good at conversation. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are just very, very under-equipped to have interesting conversations because they don't know how to entertain a tangent. They don't know the yes and uh, of, of good conversation. They don't know how to give enough information that gives you, I, I give you enough that you have three or four hooks right. that you can now feed off of. I've given you nothing instead. Like it, so most people, we should start there that most people aren't good at that anyway. And we sometimes conflate like someone looks attractive, so they must be good in comp. Like, <laughs> no, like mm -hmm. we sometimes we're not hitting it off with someone because they genuinely are just terrible at conversation. <laughs> and it's not, we're taking it as something personal. Like we're doing, I must be doing a horrible job. This person's giving me nothing. <laughs> and then you, if you watch them with 20 other people, you'd realize they give Nobody nothing anything. to anyone. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there is that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think just finding those little ways very early on, it doesn't matter what it is. Like you'd, I think people should put more of the like in their photos, they should put more slightly obscure things. Like if you, like I love the, um, the films by Studio Ghibli, the Japanese films, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle. There's like this set of Japanese movies by this director, Hayao Miyazaki, that I really love. There's going to be someone else who also really like, who knows that not a lot of people know those, at mm -hmm. least in this part of the world. And if they saw that like on my desk next to me, like one of the characters on my desk next to me, someone's going to message me about that. Right. Because that's like, oh, wow, that's, a, that's obscure. You like that stuff too, right? Now, some of the people that message me about that are not going to be people I'm into, but there will be someone who does. And I just think that, we're better off. Like say I was, I, I was in Tokyo in last October and I was like Goku from Dragon Ball Z uh -huh. with my brothers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was us in the streets <laughs> at midnight. <laughs> but I, I would be like, if someone showed a photo of them in a Halloween costume and you were like, you messaged them and you were just like, I could 
never pull that off. You know, like mm -hmm. I had to be Goku last year. That was about the best I could do. I'm throwing out something like I'm throwing out. There's a little bit of a, like I could never pull that off. She can say, ha ha, whatever. And I'm also saying I was Goku last year. And or I, even better, I could say I was in Tokyo last year and was Goku. Yeah. You know, like that was the best I could come up with. Yeah. And uh, after a few Hibiki harmonies, I was really Goku. I was fucking <laughs> summoning the summoning the forces of the of the Japanese scotch and really bringing it. <laughs> That's what they were drinking in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah. I that that then I've given I've given these hooks like Japan, Goku, your outfit for Halloween. Like there's there's at least enough for someone to sink their teeth into. And I think it would almost be interesting to look at the first two to three things we ever say to someone and say, how many hooks have I given in, in those first two or three lines? Mm. Like, so what do you, okay. So here's another question. And, and I'm, I'm genuinely asking, cause this is something that I'm I, uh, admittedly, like I've never been really good at that. I've never been good at, I've never been the, op the guy who can open, they call it opening, right? Like, right, right, right. like actually starting the dance. But once we're dancing, I usually have a hell of a dance, you right, know, like right. once we're dancing, it's great. So by the way, I, I throw myself into that because I, I, I also have been someone who traditionally has been very nervous in situations like that. I'm, I was always a shy kid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now one question I have is there's some kind of belief that has been indoctrinated culturally that women should wait for the man to make the first move. Mm -hmm. That's like the chivalrous thing. That's what a man does. But those times are really changing. So, and you give a lot of advice to women. How, do you just say like, no, nah, no, nah, fuck that. Like discard that. Or do you say like, What's your advice to women who are who are in that paradigm? Like, well, they gotta they gotta make the first move. They gotta they gotta really like pursue, and then then I respond. I have so when I when I first started my organization now, which was you know it catered to women. I knew I had an issue, which was in order to like one of the reasons that a lot of women are making bad choices with the guys they're with is because they don't have enough choice. Mm. Like you keep going back to the same person if you're lonely and they're the only person on the scene for you right now. So I need to create more options for people, but more options ha can only come from more action. It can only come from people being willing to take a few more risks, put themselves out there. And actually when I started, it was, it was the dating app thing hadn't really happened yet. So it was even more important that people were willing to go and take a risk. But I knew that I'm dealing with a cultural, societal issue here of people, this, many women do not feel like it's their job to make the first move. Mm -hmm. They feel like it's the guy's job. Now that's, it could be argued that's changing, but things tend to change fairly slowly on that level. And I still, I know, I, no one needs to do a study for me. I work with millions of women. I know what they say to me when they come to me, which is most of them feel like, well, I, I just wish he would come over. Like, I wish he would do something. If he likes me, then he should come talk to me. Mm -hmm. Most women don't realize how hard that is yeah, until they're asked Especially, to do like, it. look, look at me and you. We're, we're nervous about doing right. that still. Like, still, with everything that, everything that we know and everything that, like, 
we're still a little bit of that shy kid. No one wants to be rejected. No one wants to be seen as creepy. <laughs> no one wants to be seen as like, ah, oh, this pervy guy has come out. Like you, you want, we also happen to be sensitive people. Mm -hmm. We also happen to be very respectful people. We, so there's all that tied in as well. I don't want to interrupt someone's day. I don't like anything. <laughs> and then maybe they're like, maybe they have a boyfriend. I'm going to make them uncomfortable. Maybe there's all these things. Now, of course, women have all of that too. Um, and in some ways, even more so because at least for a guy, many guys grow up going, it's my job to do something. I'm just not good at it. Mm -hmm. Women traditionally have not grown up saying it's my job to do something. They have grown up with the idea that a guy's going to come out and talk to me. Right. So I thought, okay, I need to figure out there needs to be a loophole here. There has to be a way of getting women to be more proactive in a way that doesn't compromise that part of them that doesn't want to feel like they're being too forward. Yeah. Um, and so what I would say to women, women would say, I'm old fashioned. I don't make the move. I say, then you don't know what old fashioned is. You know what people were doing a hundred years ago? Women were walking past a guy they liked, dropping their handkerchief in front of him by mistake. And then they would walk on. The guy would see the handkerchief. He'd think this is an extraordinary opportunity to be a man. Uh -huh. Pick up the handkerchief in the most chivalrous way. He'd get to say, madam, you dropped this. <laughs> and she'd yeah. say, did I? And yeah. they'd now have a conversation, a conversation that he thinks is his idea, but it wasn't. It was her idea. Uh -huh. She just dropped the handkerchief. So what I would say to women is, what I want to show you is in 2020, how to drop the handkerchief. I don't want to teach you how to chase because yeah. I'm not going to turn you into the chaser. Right. I just want you to know how to drop the handkerchief. Because if you know how to do that, then you can make a move and someone will still feel like they're the one making the move. So what is the, what is the equivalent of the dropping the handkerchief in today's time? They're a really simple, so it's almost like you could look at it in phases. The, the first and easiest and most obvious way to drop the handkerchief is simply eye contact. I don't think most women realize that the problem, the why guys they want to come over aren't coming over is because they barely made eye contact with the guy that they're attracted to. They looked over, looked back in a group of their friends and they're like, okay, he knows. He doesn't know. Uh, no, especially has, if you're nervous, if, especially if you're a nervous, he doesn't a, know. And a nervous he, guy like me. Yeah. So I'm like, you have to look again and again and again. And the next time you look, smile and then look back. Because in that moment, he's getting confirmation. We need confirmation. Uh -huh. Confirm to me <laughs> that if I come over, this is not going to end horribly for me. Yeah, yeah. And if you get enough looks... I'm talking three, four, five, six. If you get enough looks, then the guy goes, I th I, I'm not imagining this. I, she does actually want me to come over. One look is not enough for that. And in mm -hmm. most cases, two looks isn't enough for that. So that's the first thing. But then recognize that even at that point, most men are not coming over. Mm -hmm. Because even if he recognizes that you were looking at him, if you're in a group of your friends, which you most of the time are, He's now got to walk across the room and figure out what the hell he's going to, hey, I noticed you looking at me. Like, <laughs> what is, 
that's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> no, for sure like, not. That's tough. He's now got to walk over and, and of course, we're berated for, oh, you just want me, well, you just, just about looks to you. You just want me for my... I don't know anything about you right now. I don't know what your job... I don't know that you did great in that job interview last week. I can't come congratulate you for how great of a friend you are. Like, I don't know. I just, yeah. I just see you. I like your energy. I like the way you smile. I like the way you look. That's all I got. Right? So we don't know what to say on the back of that other than to like, well, we walk across the room and go, how are you enjoying your coffee? So what the fuck do we say? So this is where... Well, to... to, to continue for a moment sure, to sure. allow the woman to to see what she can do because i do think that this can be solved by men and women together yeah is the the second part is for a woman to actually get a little proximity to the guy it's so much easy if you and i are out tonight and someone looked at us and they happen to be standing next to us to turn your head and say hey how's it going is so disproportionately easier yeah. than having to walk across the room to speak to someone who's looking at you. Right. So the favor that you can do for a guy is getting close enough that he doesn't have to do the walk over to come and say something. Mm -hmm. And the last step, so it's like eye contact, proximity, and then the last step is simply saying something. Um, but one of the nice, one of the coolest things you could do to drop the handkerchief verbally is to ask a favor. Um, you could be in a coffee shop and literally say to a guy, my hands are full. I need to take these coffees to my friends. Could you just watch my jacket for two seconds? Mm. Sure. No guy's going to say no to that. Sure. Watches your jacket, hands your coffees to your friends. You come back. You're a gentleman. Thank you so much. How's your day going anyway? Mm -hmm. Now you're having a conversation that he doesn't feel like you didn't walk over to hit on him. He just did you a favor. And there was a study done where it showed that the, we, uh, uh, when, I think it's the Franklin effect, but when we do a favor for someone, we think this, the study, it would seem, would show that if I did you a favor, you'd like me more. What the study actually found is if I do you a favor, I like you more. Because mm -hmm. we like people that were able to serve in some small way. Sure. The only caveat was the favor couldn't be onerous. Yep. Couldn't be something difficult. Yep. It had to be something easy. But we like that. We like being, and especially when it's a man who gets to feel like, I showed up. Yeah, I did something, yep. you know, yep. it was useful. <laughs> yep. We like being useful. Right. Then he gets to feel like, oh, I, I contributed. I did something. I was, you know. So that's, so that's a great way for a woman to start. Because how wrong can it go? I ask you a favor, like, do you know anything that's good here? I ask you that favor. If you don't respond much, what, I didn't lose anything, all right? I didn't come over and tell you, you have a beautiful smile, I like your eyes, or I'm just attracted to you, I wanted to say hi. That's hard for a woman to do. But she can ask a favor in a way that opens the door for him to now reciprocate and, and continue. From the guy's point of view, I think us guys together need to, we, we have a kind of constant obsession with, saying the right thing and not enough focus on it just engaging mm -hmm. we are so afraid 
that we're going to say the wrong thing. We are so afraid that we're going to come across the wrong way or that we're going to misrepresent ourselves or that what we say isn't going to be as smooth as the average guy the that goes over. judgment that's going to come from that where you're going to feel like a, you're going to beat yourself up for being a loser. For sure. Or like unattractive sure. or like, oh, I fucking suck. You yeah. Know, like, so you got to get rid of that part. I've been, and, and, and you just have to realize, like all the guys out there have to realize that just every, it's just, there is no... We all just have this illusion that no, like that guy never gets rejected. <laughs> like I, and it just, it's not true. Like I, I did, a, I did a little experiment on TV in the UK where I had this model Calvin Klein guy who, who was literally a Calvin Klein model. And I had this guy who told himself all these reasons why no one liked him. Like it just was in his head all the time. And we were out in the street and I had the, the Calvin Klein model go and, and approach these two women. And these two women on the street in London kind of looked at him and were like, um, he, I, he asked like, where does the tour bus come through or whatever? And they were like, um, I don't know. And then they just kind of turned their back to him. And he came back and the guy was like, all right, well. Then I sent this other guy to go over to two different women, say the exact same thing. And they, they like talked to him for 10 seconds and then they kind of started talking to each other again and, you know, turned away. He came back and he went, see, like, this is, this is what I like. I'm telling you, like, people don't respond to me. I'm like, it, this exact, in fact, he got shunned worse. <laughs> yeah. But you don't see that. And yeah. it's, it, it, it's this thing we do. I remember in my, in college, I was just learning how to like go up and talk to people and whatever. And I was in a, like a phase where I was, I had, I had the courage and I was like, I'm, I'm just going to do it. Why not? Whatever. And I found like, I was exercising the muscle, you know, uh -huh. and it is a muscle. And I remember going out that night and talking to, I was talking to this person and this group. And then I went over to these people and went over to that person, whatever. I was like, I must've talked to like 30 different people. And then I went and talked to, to this one person, this one woman. And she like just I, I can't even remember what she said but she was super harsh in the way that she rejected me like really harsh and I had this friend who had been with me all night who was fairly insecure um love him to pieces but very an insecure guy and when I got blown out like that it was the greatest thing he was so happy he was like ah uh, like doesn't that feel weird? Don't you feel like a moron now? Like, what do you like? And I, and I realized something. I was like, I, I spoke to 30 more people than you did tonight. Yeah. You didn't talk to anyone. You get to go home and say you didn't get rejected. I go home and I got rejected, but I spoke to 30 people. And that's you being the version of you. That is the person that you want to be the necessity Correct. to be the version of you. Correct. That, and 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 goes so back to that same thing. It goes back to the same thing, um, but it's but it it's a it's a conditioning thing, and I think that we have to consistently remind ourselves that we just we don't. One of the things I think makes it easier for people is just remove the intent. The intent is what kills us, because mm -hmm. I'm not thinking like if I if I said to you. Um, dude, what's the time? What's the time? What's the time? And you didn't have your phone. And then 
and there was a woman there, you'd be like, I'm so sorry, do you have the time? Mm -hmm. It would be easy. Yeah. Because you need the time. <laughs> <laughs> and now like, oh, thank you. By the way, that's a cool watch. Yeah. I like your watch. Where did you get that? All of a sudden, but it started from, I, I, there's no intention here. I'm not trying to hit on you. I just need the time. We, our intent makes us so much more nervous. And so one of the, the key things is just, if you wake up and you make the decision, I, like, I think more men would be, us as men, we would have it so much better if we woke up in the morning and said, my job today is to make people feel great. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to make people feel great all day. That's my job. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to get anything. Mm -hmm. I just, my job is to make people feel great. Then all of a sudden the intent changed. Mm -hmm. So now I see this attractive person and I say, you look like so well put together, like your whole outfit or your shoes or like, I love that jacket you're wearing. That's so cool. Or by the way, you have a beautiful energy about you. I used to, by the way, this works because I used to do this with guys. Like when I was, before I even worked with women, I was like 18 and working with guys. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was this one thing I did that was so telling that at the end of an evening, I would say to these guys who had been nervous all night, I would say, okay, we're leaving. We're going. I want you to go up to the one person you wanted to talk to all night, but haven't because I know that person is in here. <laughs> And your job is to give them a genuine compliment. You, and you can frame it like this. I'm leaving now. Um, my friends are leaving, but I had to tell you before I go, you, and whatever it is. And that's actually a beautiful thing because I think one of the things that people worried about is that you're going to have a clinger yep. that's going to come into your group and they're going to stay yep. and then you're going to have to deal with them for 30 minutes and they're not going to go. So if they give you even the entree of even a moment's conversation, then they got to fucking deal with pay it. The price. They're going to pay the price. So you've so, removed agenda for them. Right. So I'm, I'm leaving now, but I just wanted to, to say that like you're an awesome dancer and then walk away. And I would literally say to them, you're not allowed to stay. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to stay in there and have a conversation. And you're definitely, nothing's, you're not allowed to, nothing can come of it. You literally have to give the compliment and then leave. And all of a sudden, guys who hadn't been brave all night would get brave because there was now nothing to get. Mm -hmm. I'd forbid them <laughs> from getting anything from it. Right. So now they go over and now they say something. And it was so fascinating watching the reactions because often... You would see the guy go over and say this thing and then he'd start walking away and she'd be like, but, but wait, what, what, you, what is this? No, do, but like she, it was like she wasn't able to process that someone just went and made her feel good right. with no intention. And so there's a, there's a dual thing going on there, but it's a nice experiment. And I would encourage anyone to give themselves the same restriction Mm -hmm. if they want to overcome that fear because the restriction removes intent. Okay, so tell yourself next time you're in air one, I'm not, nothing's allowed to happen. Mm. But I do have to leave this person better than I found them. Yeah. And, I, and that could just be one sentence. 
I'm going to say something that this person's going to remember for the rest of the day. Uh, and oh my God, you never guess what that guy, this guy said to me in our one today. It was so nice. And fucking do that with people that you're not attracted to yep. too. You know, like if you see anything, someone that you know that there's not, this is not your physical type, mm-hmm. but like, why not be that person that makes that person feel good? And to that point, the more it comes back to who you want to be in life, same thing. The more you decide, this is who I am. I am a person that is easy to talk to. I am a person that compliments other people. I am a person that spreads love. If you are that person, then it, you don't suddenly, there's not some huge thing that you have to do when you see someone you're attracted to. It's the same thing you're doing with everybody else, <laughs> right? And, and what happens, and, and I see this a lot when I'm like working with people socially, is on a night out, they will stand around the whole night talking to their same friends, and when they see someone walk in the room they really want to talk to, they then think about for the next hour and a half how to go and do something about it. How are you not going to be nervous about that? How <laughs> for sure? Anyone like for I'm, sure. I'm taking one human being where I have no idea how this is going to go. I cannot predict it. I don't know what their reaction is going to be. I don't even know if they're single. And I am spending the next hour figuring out how to go over there. The goal should be. The moment I set foot in a venue, I am in a mode. I am, hello to you. How you doing? The person behind the bar, this person here. I'll talk to like, I'll, I'll just speak. There's a guy there. How you doing, man? I like your shoes. That's really cool. What did you order? Is it good? Like you're warming up. You're just, you're in that place. <laughs> yeah. So and you're having then, fun too. You're and having fun. You're not fun. obsessing over, which is ruining your night anyways. Ruining your night. That person, if they were to watch you is seeing that you're a, oh, wow, what a vibrant, sociable human being that is. Like, they're just a fun character or whatever, as opposed to seeing someone brooding in the corner the whole night <laughs> who now all of a sudden appears in front of them, uh, which is a mistake I've made many times, by the way. So it's, it, you know, I, I still get nervous, but I think what people need are mechanisms that, uh, that change the change the feeling for them. And I, what I've recognized is the days where I'm not nervous versus the days where I am nervous, there's something different happening. There's a different set of routines I go through. There's a different set of, there's a different focus I'm bringing to it. Um, I've just come off of a joke with a friend off the phone. You know, like the moment where someone tells you, someone's making you laugh on the phone and you're like, put down the phone and you're still mm-hmm. half laughing. And then you see someone here and you're still kind of laughing and mm-hmm. you're like, how are you doing today? Like, I'm not nervous in that moment because I'm still here on this, right. on the call. Right. Right. I'm coming off of a laugh and now talking to this person is easy because I'm in that state. But if you're not come, if you're just coming off of a, I really want to like talk to someone attractive tonight. <laughs> <laughs> this is not they'll pick up on that energy <laughs> for sure. like those the the things that people sense is far more than we recognize and they'll sense your intent right. they'll sense your they'll sense your desire for an outcome they'll sense all that stuff whereas if you just let all that go and yeah. just enjoy the process and focus on what you're are you may are you bringing more light into the yes. situation more light into the room if it's a group of girls that are there maybe they haven't made eye contact but you can bring like a little bit of light to that situation yep. in any way 
Like, that's the guy you want to be. That's, that's the right. guy I want to be. That's the guy I think we all want to be. That's the girl that you want to be. Yeah. You know, where you create, you create more light. You create something that's like positive. That's exactly right. And one of the, like, another little practical thing I'll throw in for people is if you go and, if you go and talk to someone, like, I think about it like, here's the person you want to talk to, here's you. You need to close down space, right? Because there's no, you can't connect here. You need to close down space. But like you said, the danger when you close down space is someone else is like, are they ever going to leave? Like, am I stuck? They don't even, they can't even process if they're attracted to you because they're too busy thinking about what if they're stuck with you. <laughs> right. We process how attracted we are to someone uh, when we have space to observe. It's like that Esther Perel thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like she talks in, even in relationships, like I can't process if, how attracted I am to my partner when they're here all the time. Like you need to go to a party with your partner and let them go tell a story to a group and then just watch. Mm. Mm, that's hot. Now yeah. I get to see them from afar. <laughs> now I get to observe. What we do is we make the mistake of either standing over here where we never even make our existence known in the first place or we come over and stay there where someone can't observe at a distance this person that's just come into their life. So I, what I think is a nice thing to do is close down space, say something instead of nothing, even if it's just a, a nice compliment. Then turn back to your friends and keep talking to your group. Yep. Now this person turns to you and looks at you. Oh, I like his style, and he's, his friends. <laughs> yeah. His friends seem to uh -huh. think he's funny, and and and. Oh, why did he say that and then turn away? What does that mean? Is he gay? I don't know. Like, what's his thing? I don't. She's now she's asking questions, but it wasn't from a neg. Right. It made someone feel good. Yeah. And then you showed them. You don't need to stay in that which is space. A natural, which is in the natural state of abundance, which is, I think, why that, that kind of understanding, like, oh, yeah, when you're in a relationship, you talk to all kinds of people. Well, why will you remove that intent? You've removed that scarcity. And if you're that's actually right. talking to somebody, you're like, you're just fucking talking to them. That's right. Like a human. Yeah, that's right. And so I, for men or women, this, this is true for men and women. That, if you just remember that simple, if you never listen to anything I say again, but you just hear that simple philosophy, you want to connect with someone, close down space, recreate a little space, and you'll know whether they're interested by whether they now try to close down space. Mm -hmm. That's where you'll get, how do I know if they like me or whatever? Create enough space that they now have to close down some space. Now they close down a bit of space. Ah, okay. Now I'm going to turn to meet you. Right. Right. Man, I've learned a lot from this and had a lot Me of fun too. fucking seeing you man it's been so great to have you out here it's the and, best. and reconnect it's the best yeah it's the best uh where can people if people want to dive deeper into all your stuff where do they go what's the best way <laughs> i think that because your audience is is male and female right mm -hmm. it's everybody um i think something that will really people will really really enjoy um i gave a speech at lewis howe's event the summit of greatness where I spoke about the true nature of confidence and how to build it. And it's not a talk that was ever released anywhere, but I took the talk and it was very powerful because I think confidence is a very misunderstood thing. I, I think it's oversimplified and I think people rarely learn practical ways to build confidence. 
So in this speech, I break down three layers of confidence and where real confidence lies and how people can build it. Uh, and it's taken from that event. So it's literally the only place you can see it, but they can go and download it for free at getcoreconfidence.com. Getcoreconfidence.com. Yeah. So you cool. can go watch that whole video training. Yeah. You know, another thing that I'm thinking of that I think people can do is write the story of yourself, write the story of who you, who you want to be, like who you really are, like the, write your story of yourself mm-hmm. as the hero. I'm the one that I am the person that makes people feel better about themselves whenever and, I have the opportunity. And then I am the person that does and I, like, and like just, yes. just journal that in and be that like, I am this person. And then and, get obsessed with that instead of getting obsessed with the results boom man so fucking good and you got books and you got youtubes and you got all that stuff i'll put it all in the outro cool man i love seeing you man thanks this is beautiful thank you so much and thank you so much for everybody who's listening that was awesome thank you as well thank you as well (laughs) thanks guys much love everybody peace I hope you guys enjoyed this and learned as much as I did from this podcast. Once again, if you haven't signed up yet, join my text community, 512-572-5222. You're going to get morning inspirational texts. And of course, check out the newsletter. Check out all the things. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week.